we are the safe space for them that, you know, they can come with all these big emotions. They have no idea what it is or what it is that they're feeling, but we don't suppress them. We don't tell them to stop crying. We don't tell them, you know, to that's enough, like, you know, like calm down. Um, We let them get it all out. And after they're done, they were like, how do you feel? Do you want to talk about it? Or then we just give some model that grace and courtesy and model those words for them to later be like, oh, okay, I was feeling upset or frustrated or super happy, but I just started crying. So we are there to just guide them into, you know, becoming little respectful human beings. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I am riding solo today. No Jilly P next to me. You all can understand the juggle of kids, summer activities, as well as a full work schedule, whether you own a business or you are employed within someone else's business. So we decided that we needed to divide and conquer today. So it's just going to be me. I have an incredible guest that I'm really excited to talk with more around her zone of genius and her expertise because it's not something that I know a ton about. And I think much like all of us, we have this little device in our hand. It breeds a world full of information straight to our brains, but the information might not necessarily be the most accurate. So our job is to bring experts in in their certain fields to educate a little bit more about things that pertain to your kids. So I'm excited um, to bring Wendy Kanashugi. Yes. Onto the show. I told her I was going to butcher her last name, so I made her say it to me a couple of times beforehand. Um, I met Wendy a couple years ago, pre-pandemic, at a women's event. Um, And like Jill and I always say, um, we have to do this life in community. We have to get around people who are doing the same things that we're doing in terms of personal growth and development, people who are on the same wavelength as you as far as wanting to grow and expand and bring new amazing experiences into their life. And sure enough, another one, another one on the podcast where I met in a women's event. I think it was a Linka's event, right? In 2019, this was April 2019, so about three years ago. So 
Wendy, hi. Welcome to the show. Um, you are a Montessori guide. You have been for the last 15 years. So before we get into the conversation, I would love to know just a couple of things that you would like our audience to walk away from this episode knowing about your Montessori lifestyle. I think a couple of things to walk away. The first thing that comes to mind is to always just follow your intuition. Go with that gut feeling. Just like you said right now, um, we have this little device, you know, in our hands and the opinions of people and just like the information just tends to drown us and we can get lost with that. Um, But it's always just, just follow that gut feeling, follow your intuition. Another thing that I would say is that not everything falls within a box. Don't try to fit everything in one box. Think outside the box. Think, you know, differently of what you see or you tend to compare what other people are doing. You know, don't follow in this trendy box. Just think outside of it. Man, I mean, we could be talking about a Montessori lifestyle or literally anything else with those two tips. I couldn't agree more. Um, And I know what we're about to talk about, but seriously, always following your gut, right? I think um, that was something we learned pretty, I won't say early on, it took me a long time to learn it. But early on, I noticed I had a gut feeling about things. And I definitely ignored that feeling on more than one occasion. I really think that it's taken me up until my late, late 20s or early 30s to understand that my gut probably knows more about what's going on than my actual head does. So great tip there. And I'd love to hear, I'd love to expand on more of what you mean by that within the Montessori lifestyle. So will you explain to myself as well as the audience what a Montessori guide is? We can go on for for days (laughs) with that just one topic. But um, for instance, uh, a Montessori guide, you know, so we are the teachers in the classroom, as a lot of the audiences might kind of grasp that, um, you know, wording better. Montessori guides from, we are certified from birth all the way to adolescent years. So we go in stages of three years. So the guides who are going to work with infants, we are our guides from birth to three years. Then they are the Montessori guides that are the preschool age are from three to five years. And then the Montessori guides that work in elementary, six to 12. And then the Montessori guides that work with the adolescents, 12 to 15. Okay. And by the term of Montessori guides, we are there in the classroom environments to guide the children in their natural path of development, in whatever stage they are. We are the facilitators to remove any obstacles and to make sure that they are developing the right way, the purposeful way, the natural way that their bodies know how to do it. Okay, so right off the bat, it's obviously different than traditional schooling, like straight away from birth to adolescence every three years. So I guess with traditional school, it was like you spent a year, a year and a half. Like I was 14 and 15 in my freshman year. I was 16, 17, right? Like that is slightly similar, but we definitely weren't talking about putting me in any sort of school environment from birth. So what led you to this? Why Montessori? I kind of stumbled it on accident, actually, 
I was about 20 years old. Okay. And I was in the food industry. I was working at the food industry and then part-time working as a massage therapist. And I just kind of hit a wall with those two industries. Um, those two customer service-based right? industries? <laughs> it wasn't it. something that was kind of filling my cup. It was draining my energy physically, just mentally, and just spiritually. And okay. just wasn't cutting it. So I did one of those that I just kind of, I'm a list person. I write everything down. I have like a journal addiction and sticky notes addiction. But it's one of those that I just kind of sat down and was like, okay, <laughs> yes, sticky Me notes. Too. <laughs> I have a lot of unused notebooks with like three pages written in and then nothing else. And then if Jill, if Jill were here, she would have laughed out loud at the sticky yeah. note comment because you should see my work area right now. It's definitely how my brain operates. So I feel you. Yes, very much. So I sat down and I was like, okay, Wendy, like, what are the things that you like? What do you have to do this career change? And it was either animals or kids okay. like working with children. So then I just went on this like, you know, kind of internet search, like any pet stores, any, you know, veterinarians, any daycares, any schools. And I stumbled upon a in-home daycare in Mesa. Okay. And it had the Montessori name on it. But to me, it was just like, you know, oh, it's just like an in-home daycare. Um, didn't really pay much attention to the Montessori, you know, name of it. So I got a job there as an assistant and I worked there for about a year. And they would give me kind of like monthly little, I guess you can say like newsletters about okay. Montessori philosophy for me to read because I didn't know anything about it. But it was just like a small little two classroom, I guess. It was like two-year-olds and three-year-olds. And then that was it. It was very small. And I was just kind of reading these handouts. And it just kind of seemed interesting, like what they were giving me to read. And then I moved. I only worked there about like a year. And then I found, so then I started researching. I was like, okay, I was like, Montessori schools and, you know, Phoenix. And then all of a sudden, you know, more started popping up. And I was like, oh, I'm like, this is actually like a thing. So then <laughs> I, <laughs> so then I stumbled upon another school, which is in the Awatuki area. Okay. Which was like now like a bigger school, like a traditional classrooms, you know, administration, playground, like a bigger setup. It had the age brackets. Yes. And then it had the age brackets from infants all the way to upper elementary, which is sixth grade. Okay. So then I started working there. I worked there two school years and then got a little bit more like, I guess you can say my feet wet into what the Montessori classrooms looked like and what the, the role of the adults were. So you basically took your own advice. I asked you for two tips and you said, always follow your gut. So I want to point out very early on your self-awareness around what was working for you and what was not working for you. And I know that that can be really hard, especially with anybody. I'm not even going to say this day and age. It can be hard, period, uh, because we're comfortable with a paycheck. We're more comfortable in the uncomfortable than we are looking for something new, right? So yes. right away, you followed your first tip, which was always follow your gut. You said you wanted to work with kids or animals, and you found an environment that fostered your ability to work with kids. So Jill and I like to call those breadcrumbs. You followed a breadcrumb. 
and you latched onto the first one. You liked what you were reading and you found another and then another and then another. So you wind up at this Montessori school. Mm-hmm. What was different about it right away from your experience of traditional schooling? Right from the bat, there's no desks. Okay. There's no, you know, you sit down, this is your desk, this is your cubby, you know, and you have all your pencils and stuff like that. So in these classrooms, there is no desks whatsoever. There are free to roam and choose the materials that the child wants to do. There's no blackboard. There's no white erase board. There's no teacher sitting in front of the class, just, you know, letting, you know, lecturing. Yeah. So there's all these human beings, small little beings and adult beings just roaming around the classroom. Just it's constant moving all day long. So that's like the first thing that you notice when you walk into one of these Montessori classrooms. So someone who has no idea what this concept is would walk into this classroom and probably think that there's zero control. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the it can go both ways. Actually, I've heard that a Montessori classroom, there's the children just do whatever they want and there's no structure whatsoever. So I've heard that. And then I've heard the other route is that they're too strict. Oh, interesting. Way too much structure. And, you know, the children are forced to do certain things that it's against the Montessori way of, you know, letting them following the child. You hear that kind of phrase, we follow the child. Got it. Okay. So no traditional setup whatsoever. Teacher is not, isn't rolling a TV in for kids to watch TV from their desks, lecturing (laughs) from their desks. Okay. So when did you decide that this was for you and you actually wanted to be more of a guide as opposed to just working in the school? So you get to this, this first experience. Did you know right away? I did not. I did not. Cause I was still in my early, early twenties and I was just working in a assistant, just kind of filling it out. Um, but then alone, I worked at this other school and the one that I stumbled in, I would took you for a couple of years. And then I got pregnant with my firstborn, my son. Okay. So then after I had him, I transferred to a different Montessori school, still in the Awatuki area. But now this school went from toddlers all the way to adolescents. Once I got the job there, it was one of those things, again, with my gut feeling, my, my intuition, it felt like home. And we all know that feeling, right? When something just aligns with you and you feel safe and seen and heard. So you find this school, you're pregnant at this point in time. Yeah, I just had my son. So my son was like a two-month-old baby when I stumbled upon this other school. So since you said that Montessori classrooms work from birth to adolescence, you had your baby and was he automatically implemented into the Montessori. You called it a family prior to us hitting record. Yes. Or community. Community. Okay. Um, It was one of those that I was, you know, I felt like I was living like two lives at that point. (laughs) Oh, double agent. (laughs) Yes. Because this school that I worked at and it felt like home and it was very much like I loved everything about it. They started at toddlers, meaning 18 months. Mm, Okay. 
so then I needed to start work. So my son was in a traditional daycare. Got it. Okay. So I was working, my expertise is birth to three years. So I was working in the toddler classroom. So I was working with 18 months to three years. Their classroom set up and they talk a lot about the infant program and what it would look like. So I'm in this, you know, Montessori community. And then I go and drop off my son at a traditional daycare. And it was just like, it was very heartbreaking and it was very hard. Yeah. Kind of navigate because it was two different worlds. How they approached child care versus how you were facilitating child care. Yes, absolutely. But in as, you know, as I was growing as a mother, as I was growing as, you know, as a person and an assistant in this community was really supporting in the role of like, you can, you know, you're doing really well at your job. You love the children. You, you know, are a great assistant. You can do really well during training. So then that's when that kind of me going through the Montessori guide training kind of started like the talking about it. So somebody dropped you another breadcrumb and they said, hey, I see that you are really taking to this. You should look at what it takes to become an actual guide as opposed to an assistant. Yes, absolutely. So I'm assuming an assistant is the equivalent of a teacher's aide in a regular classroom. Yes, absolutely. So walk me through what it looks like to become an actual guide. Oof. <laughs> we could go a lot of different directions on this too. Yeah, no, it is it is very intense. Um, when anybody comes to me about thinking of doing training or, you know, thinking about which whichever age group, I always tell them, I was like, you have to be all in. You can't just be kind of wanting or it's like an idea you have to be completely all in you have to be really knowledgeable behind the scenes of what Montessori is because this is a very very specific training and this is a very very specific school community that you're then going to be part of and if you're just kind of not agreeing with it definitely do not do it or don't invest your money because it's not cheap okay one And they don't have student loans for these type of trainings. So it's out of pocket. It's It's out of pocket. There's scholarship opportunities, there's grants, but they're not tied to like a university or like a college. So those type of loans are not available for this type of like training. Got it. They, They can do it from academic year long. So say like August through May, you can do in Monday to Friday if you don't work. But if you're working, that necessarily, you know, doesn't really appease to most of the people. And then there's summer trainings, which is the most popular. Got it. So for my specific age group, which is birth to three, is two summers. And also at that time, there wasn't any training available here in Arizona. So I had to travel out of state. So you really wanted it. Okay. Okay. So at this point, my son is two years old. And I left to San Diego for the summer without him. Mm. I left him here at home with his dad. And then I went by myself in this like random, you know, apartment for all of June, all of July, came back, did a lot of other more 
like, you know, tasks and homeworks during the school year and then back again for the next summer. summer. Yes. And a lot of people were like, oh, you went to San Diego. Like, why are you, you know, obviously you left Arizona's summer to spend it in San Diego. It shouldn't have been that bad. I didn't get to see San Diego. I saw the four walls of my, you know, bedroom apartment, then the four walls of the training center. And that is pretty much it. And I was on coffee 24 hours, no sleep. Like well, you were is- away from your one and a half year old, like <laughs> yes. your mama heart one and a half. And then the next year it was two and a half. Like <laughs> that's hard. And it required an insane sacrifice from you to want to do this. So you really circling back around, you followed your gut because 15 years later. So you were more of a helper for what, yes. like three, four years. I was in all, I was an assistant for five years. For five years. Yes. So you've been a guide, a certified guide for 10? For 10, yes. Okay. Um, And is there, what is the training like to keep up with? Is CEUs, things like that? Is it similar to traditional schooling in um, that way? Kind of, a little bit, yeah. There's every year, there's Montessori hosts like a refresher course. It's what they call it in February. Okay. So every year they host this weekend refresher course and they do it in different parts of the United States. Um, so all the Montessori guides attend. So depending on what your level is, then you go to what your specific, you know, kind of breakout session will be. And they do that every year. And there's also different little workshops and different things throughout the school year that you can tune in now through Zoom, which is, you know, you don't have to travel anywhere because yeah. get like expensive or you can still like go and travel to these different like workshops, things that they do. How many people come to these conferences? So I guess in the roundabout way, how many Montessori guides are um, there? There is a lot. I want to say at an average, there is about like a thousand ish. Okay. I can go to these refresher courses. You guys, have you heard that we're hosting a summer camp? Listen, you can go to a summer camp that kills time or you can attend a camp that leverages it. This summer, we aim to empower and inspire young women to pursue more. More confidence, more positive friendships, more community impact, more dreams and aspirations, more self-honoring and healthy habits. To explore more camp options, go to girlsmentorship.com. We can't wait to see you there. That's awesome. Okay, so your son was in daycare. When did you make the switch for him to come to the Montessori community? The year that I came back, no, lie. The year that I was doing my Montessori training, because then at that point, he had already turned two or was about to turn two. And then in my um, community, in my school, there was only one toddler classroom. So they're like, well, you're working in that classroom. He can't be in your classroom. Oh, conflict of interest. Yes. So they, um, they weren't allowing me to have my own son in my classroom. So then me being me, I'm like, well, what other positions there are? I'm like, I'll leave it. Not necessarily leaving the school, but I'm like, switch me to another classroom. Make yeah. me an assistant somewhere else. I can be afloat. I can help kind of float is the equivalent of like a substitute. 
Okay. You can go and help out anywhere, not necessarily being assigned to one classroom. And they were very taken aback to that. And I was like, I am like dead serious. Like my son needs to be here. To, to be like, here. <laughs> and so they ponder it for a little bit, but they, they did. Um, they switched me to a primary classroom, which is the three to five, like the preschool age. Okay. So then I became an assistant in that classroom so my son could start in the toddler program. Okay. So we talked about the differences, how important it's been to you, the time commitment, the money commitment. As far as like the day to day, you said you follow the kids around, they are allowed to roam. What are they learning and how are they learning it? Specifically, I'm going to share more, obviously, from like my classroom, like birth to three. But even as I'm explaining it, you're going to be able to grab the essence in each level as as they go. So as Montessori guides, the the first thing is to prepare yourself. And that's one of the things that I find most important in our training is that there is a lot, a lot, a lot of self-reflection on the adult part. Amen. Love to hear it. (laughs) And then the second part is preparing the environment, setting up the classroom. So what that looks like is making sure that everything is um, size appropriate. Okay. Like this whole classroom needs to be made for the little people, for the human beings that are going to be using it. Everything needs to be within reach. Everything needs to be safe. Everything needs to be accessible as far as nothing too big that they can't carry. Okay. Sizes, cups, plates, pictures, puzzles. Everything needs to be following their development. And from the toddler standpoint, from 18 months to three, what are they working on? Like, what is it that they need? They need items to help with their gross motor development, walking, jumping, their equilibrium, their balance, their coordination. They need items for hand-eye coordination. They need items for the fine motor skill, pincer grip, you know, grabbing things from a whole hand to then grabbing things just with, you know, a little index and pointer finger, other language. Language is huge. And the toddler age group, you know, they go from nonverbal to then just talking your ear off. Yes, they do. How to be part of a community. If you're ever around toddlers or if, you know, you have toddler parents, they can be, you know, there's no, I always tell them there's no sharing. Don't even say the word sharing. In a toddler's brain, they are very much working on themselves, thinking about themselves and they're only, it's me. So a lot of that is taking turns. They're going to learn how to be patient when something's not available. That sounds very much like <laughs> the teen population that Jill and I work with. And we we phrase it in a similar way around it's not selfish, it's self-seeking. So they are learning. It's in a different chapter of their life, obviously. But what we as adults could so easily forget about our teenage years is that We were learning how to be who we were personality-wise in community at that age, and it can often come off as selfish when really there's just a lot going on in in that person's body for them to try to understand and sort it out. So it's funny that you're 
talking this way about zero to three when it's really the same. They just grow into a new phase of it. No, we often make that comparison in this school that I worked at, the the one that my son attended with. I worked in that community for 11 years. Oh, that wow. Okay. My, like, you know, it felt like home and it literally turned into my home. And in the classroom that I was in, I was downstairs. Above me was the adolescence, the junior high. Okay. And we, and we were at the far end of the campus. And I used to, me and the adolescent guide, we used to always joke that, you know, they put us at the far end because we were in the same kind of Both. state of, of development. They're like, we're going to put the toddlers and the teenagers way over here together. <laughs> so they can work gonna, it out. Yes. They're oh, going to understand so each other. And then the rest of the community can be up here. Okay, so they're learning how to be patient around taking turns, but keep going. And then they're also learning just how to be functional members of their community and, you know, practical life skills, how to dress themselves. It's huge. I think a lot of the times when you think of infants or specifically toddlers, we as adults, we want to do everything for them. And then I think we rob them from those life experiences. In the classroom, we are giving them the the space, the patience, and the respect to be able to dress themselves. And even if it's on backwards, you know, they they get so proud when they finally, like, you know, do it. They're learning how to feed themselves, how to use a fork, how to use a spoon, how to drink from a small open cup, how to express their emotions, big or small. We are the safe space for them that, you know, they can come with all these big emotions. They have no idea what it is or what it is that they're feeling, but we don't suppress them. We don't tell them to stop crying. We don't tell them, you know, to that's enough, like, you know, like calm down. Um, We let them get it all out. And after they're done, they were like, how do you feel? Do you want to talk about it? Or then we just give some model that grace and courtesy and model those words for them to later be like, oh, okay, I was feeling upset or frustrated or super happy, but I just started crying because I am one of those. I get so excited and just tears come, you know? So I I can relate. (laughs) So we are there to just guide them into, you know, becoming little respectful human beings. Okay, so let's take what the examples you just gave me of what they're learning and go to the adolescent phase. What would they be learning? What does their day-to-day look like? Oof, I I think they are more um, from, you know, I obviously worked in the community for 11 years, but they, adolescents, were in their own world. Okay. They were off campus a lot because now their role was to be members of the bigger community. Okay. Like outside of their home, outside of their classroom, they needed to be members of the world. Yeah. Of society, a a positive contributing member of society. Yes, absolutely. So they spent a lot of time doing, um, oh my goodness, the word just left me kind of like, um, community service, volunteer type stuff. Very much. So they would go to shelters. They would go to like soup kitchens. They would go to local farms and work. And they would just, you know, contribute to other other members of the community. And then they had different roles within their classroom as like humanity. They made their own like jobs 
They created their own like markets to sell things and see how that all, you know, kind of e-commerce worked. Um, Jill and I toured Junior Achievement a couple months ago, and they have something called BizTown within their, it's a nonprofit, all around the same thing. Like somebody is, you know, the sheriff for the day. Somebody's the mayor for the day. Somebody runs the local subway. Somebody runs the bank all for the experience of what it's like to manage money, to manage employees, to manage the time. So it sounds like that, but an all-day affair as opposed to one field trip throughout the year. Nope. This is like an all-day, everyday, you know, school year long. So they kind of mapped out their school year, mapped out what communities they're going to help in what season. And then they would have different, I guess you can say, guests in their environments that had different expertise, you know, depending on what, you know, the creative side of like someone wanted to do a photography project. So they would come and, you know, photographers would come and talk to them about what they do. So they would have different field experts. Okay. Talk to them and work with them. So it all sounds incredibly practical. And obviously you followed Jill and I's journey. We're all about life and personal development skills. So I think a traditional curriculum is important, but I also really feel that social emotional learning is needs way more of a focus than it has within schools. But what do you say? What does the school say? What does the community say when a parent challenges? Well, what about are they learning math? Are they learning geometry? Are they learning about history? What, where does that fit in? They, um, that gets asked quite a bit. I, yeah. Another, another of the, they, obviously for my, my age group and preschool, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the elementary age children hit is, um, cause another thing, there's no homework and there's no grades. Oh, yes. So okay. those two factors right there as a parent, you know, we all grew up technically public school. So we had like the homework, we had the grades, we had the testing. Yeah. Um, So then you're just kind of wondering like, okay, well, like where, how do you know how my child's doing? Or like, I want to know like, what grade do they have? Or how are they doing on this subject? We've been very conditioned for that. Yes. And even myself, I mean, my son now is in junior high and my daughter is going into third grade. It still for me has been a little bit difficult to have that balance of, I know that they're doing okay, but then again, they haven't told me anything or they haven't shown me this little paper, you know, with the A plus on it or the sticker or so, so it's even for me hard to get that kind of conditioning out of my brain. So it, it's a lot of conversations. I think it takes a big trust from both sides, from the teacher side, trusting the parent, and the parent side, trusting the teacher. And I think it has to be a well-balanced communication from both sides. So both parties understand where they're coming from and then also how their child is doing. There is obviously a lot of math. A lot of all the subjects are covered in the classroom. Okay. And the guides have a system to report, to kind of record, like uh, record keeping. So there is a system, there is, you know, like, They're having English lessons, math lessons, science, history, you know, geography. So everything's still like a record keeping, but it just stays for the teacher's view. Okay. None of that necessarily goes to the parents up until kind of like a a fall progress report and then like a spring progress report. 
So this is really all encompassing of your second point is that not everything falls within a box. Because mm -hmm. this sounds very different than any school I've ever done. And it almost sounds more appealing in the sense to like a kid, if mom was like, hey, would you like to go to a regular school or a Montessori school? Okay, what's the difference? Well, you don't have to do homework and they're not grading you. It would be like, oh my God, I want to go there. <laughs> Sign <Right>? me up. <laughs> Sign me up. So you have said it's birth to adolescence, which is that middle school. Mm -hmm. Do you go to high school? Is there Montessori high schools? Yes, but not here. Not They're in Arizona. Very, very minimal. And um, why is that? Um, because I th they're hard to really grasp that concept because already at adolescence, the Montessori is just, you know, kind of putting the teenagers out there in the world. So a high school would be just kind of like, I guess it would feel more of like a studying abroad. Okay. You're kind of sending them out somewhere out, else. Out. Yes. Out, out completely. So there, there isn't, there is a talk actually right now about two different Montessori schools here in the Valley opening up their own high school, but okay. they're still like in the works. Cause I was going to ask, what does it look like for a diploma? Cause colleges obviously accept aptitude tests, um, but diplomas from high school in order to get in. So is that why your son went from a traditional Montessori environment to a regular public school now? Because he's, you said he's almost 14. Yes. Yes. Okay. So he's going into eighth grade. Um, no, he actually made the switch um, because of COVID. <laughs> okay. You know, COVID kind of, you know, rude awakening for, for everyone. And I had to pull him from his current school and switch him to a different um, Montessori school during those years because yeah. um, Zoom just was not working, you know, for him at sixth grade. So then he had to finish his sixth grade year at a different school. Then which he was started. That, you know, he lived, grew up in, you know, from two years old all the way fifth grade and then had to take him out and finish somewhere else. And that school offered like the adolescent programs. But my son is um, kind of little athlete and the private school that he goes to is a wrestling based junior high. Okay. So it was more geared to him. And as a Montessori mom, I followed the child. I, you know, I followed with what my son's interests were and we're like, okay, you want to make that jump? Go for it. <laughs> um, how would you say your kids show up in the world as opposed to more of a traditional school system. So following the child, kind of letting them lead. I know people would say, well, that's kind of crazy. They need bumpers. They need structure. You're just providing it in a different way. So as far as preparation for them when they fly the coop for when they become adults, what have you seen as far as like kids who have taken more of the Montessori route and how they adapt to the world? Do you think they do so better because of the experiences they've had within volunteering, within community service, within actually living the real world before it's the real world? I do. I feel, I mean, I've seen it with my own two kids now, and then I've seen it with a vast majority of uh, other children that I know that have gone to a Montessori school and are now, you know, in college 
or who are currently still like in Montessori schools and they're doing, you know, little outings at the stores, they're more, what is the word? I guess they are aware of their surroundings a lot more. They okay. know how to manage their time. They know that time management aspect, which is really, really crucial and yeah. the, the problem solving and that critical thinking. They all, they have that. They've been working in groups. They haven't been working by themselves. And, you know, like you study by yourself, you're going to do this test by themselves. In elementary community and adolescence, you're working together. You're doing research papers. You are going out, um, say, you know, you're doing a research paper on something. You have to go to the library to go get it. And the child needs to be responsible to kind of set all that up. Who's going to drive you? How are you going to get there? At what time do you need to leave? At what time do you need to come back? Do you need to? So they're responsible to kind of manage their time, do their outings, know where they're going to be. And I, my kids are very well-rounded when it comes okay. to my son now, um, 13. He's gone traveling a lot out of state for his wrestling team. And we give him a certain amount of money. And he's gone, you know, for like four days. And he knows this is the type, this, I only have this much money. I need breakfast, lunch, dinner. And he still comes back with change. Huh. You know? Oh, that's then, amazing. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and he knows how to pack his own suitcase. He doesn't forget his underwear or socks, you know, being a teenager. Um, he knows how to be in an airplane alone. He knows how to respect his elders and just respect anybody and then have those conversations. So last couple of thoughts before we wrap up. It sounds incredible. So where do you see the opposition coming in? Because I feel like especially with the last couple of years of how the world has shaken up, this sounds like a great alternative to traditional schooling in that kids are learning more about the things that they need to learn about outside of a, a regular curriculum where are parents or whomever opposing the, the Montessori way? I believe they still on the fence about that. Uh, Montessori is you let them do whatever they want. Okay. So a lot of people can just get fixed in that mentality and just, just not, not break away from it. Yeah. So, and then a lot of people or a lot of adults are hard to, let go of that control. Totally. They, yeah. they, they want to fit their children in this box and they want to control everything. They don't want to necessarily give them that voice. And then in a Montessori classroom, you know, they, we have debates. We, and we let them argue in a sense. We let them express their, well, why? Why can't I do this? Why can't I, you know, wear a sweater in 150 degrees? <laughs> so we give them that little bandwidth and a lot of people don't appreciate that. Yeah, um, I can see that. And also it's a, a lot of Montessori schools and I'm going to go on the other side. They're, they're mostly private and they're expensive. Okay. Which is what I feel very strongly about how it used to be like Montessori for all. And I'm like, well... Not necessarily. It's only for, for all that can afford it. it. Okay. It is very, very expensive. Interesting. Okay. Which is, which is sad because the whole part of Montessori is that, you know, to provide, be kind of minimalists. 
you know, provide that natural development, but then school tuitions are a bit ridiculous. They price, they can price some people out. Yes, very much so. Okay. And last question, if someone is listening to this episode and they're very intrigued, where would you direct them to go to find out more? Ooh, find out more about Montessori. I would very much direct them to like the main um, website. So it would be amiusa.org. I will absolutely include that in the show notes as well as your handle because you have obviously a personal Instagram, but you have an Instagram called Keys to Bloom. Yes. And that is where you showcase a lot of what you do. So you talked about things like rearranging your classroom and making it functional for the kids that you have in your classroom. Mm-hmm. So you showcase a lot of your journey there, which has been fun to see just coinciding with what Jill and I are doing, how other people are interacting with kids and creating a safe environment for kids to grow and learn as well. So this was awesome. I learned so much. I'm so intrigued. I, like everybody else, have learned about Montessori by way of Instagram, and I've only learned about the mini furniture. So now (laughs) it makes a little bit more sense as to what that is. And I think this was super educational for our community as well. So thank you for taking some time today to just talk about it and educate our community more about what Montessori actually is. Of course, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And thank you, audience members, for taking a listen. Until next time, we will see you on What's the Lesson? We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review and three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.